welcome to another episode of Black Pumpkin. This is the first Black Pumpkin I've recorded during this year's Black History Month. And I just want to let you guys know, don't be fucking around with me on Black History Month. Don't inconvenience me. Don't talk wild to me. Don't get up in my fucking business. Let me fucking be. If you want to know what you can do for black people in this world, leave us a fuck alone. Just let us be. Let us be happy. Let us do our thing. Let us do whatever. During Black History Month, if if a light turns too red while I'm on the while I'm on the street, I'd be like, they got the nerve to do this shit during Black History Month. Because that <laughs> we have been through it. Generational trauma, okay? We <laughs> We have been fucking through it, guys. Everything is about race. Everything is racist. Think of it, Google it. Google it. Where did the police come from? They used to be slave catchers. Google it, guys. I'm like Wendy Williams during her during her fucking um during her documentary where she's sitting there and saying, uh, I don't have a lot of time to explain it to you. Google it. <laughs> like, we have been through it. And in return, what we get is 28 days of sales. Um, people rebranding things with kente cloth as if that's, don't even get me started on kente cloth. Um, people, uh, Bath and Body Works, I just saw a post where there was a whole fucking display of the same scents with just kente cloths on them for Black History Month. What else do we get? We get, um, you know, some, we get, uh, a highlight on Netflix of Black Voices um, we get, we get, um, a lot of people talking about who invented the peanut. We get that for 28 fucking days. That's what we get in return for everything we and our ancestors have been through and will continue to go through as long as the system stays the way it is. 28 days of people talking about a peanut. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Brands tweeting about how much they care about black people. While still, while still underpaying black people. Yes. So all I ask from you is to leave me the fuck alone. Stay out of my business. Stop fucking with me. Don't inconvenience me. Don't talk wild to me. Don't talk to me at all, actually. If you want, if the best gift you could ever give me ever about anything is to leave me alone. That's all I'm asking for Black History Month. That's all I'm asking for, guys. That's it. We'll get through this month together. Um, what have I been watching? Uh, I finished my Real Housewives of OC rewatch. I finished all the way to season 10 reunion. And then that little special they did with Brooks. Um, I will not be entering season 11 because I will not be entering any space in which Kelly Dodd is in. So, sorry. That's over with. Um, yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's strange to think, to go back to season 10 and watch that season of Brooks faking cancer and remembering that it was a, a, a psychic that Tamara met on the internet uh, that said that Brooks didn't have cancer first. And that when Megan King Edmonds says Brooks doesn't have cancer, she is not saying Brooks doesn't have, the first mention of it is the psychic. And they're all at a cut fitness uh, Vicky has left and Shannon is talking about how Brooks won't go see her doctors and Megan King Edmonds does not say Brooks doesn't have cancer. She says, well, the psychic said Brooks doesn't have cancer. 
that that's how it go that's how it starts guys and it, and the second fucking psychic was right and as i've said before i would have never said that shit never like just the just the what you get in return for for the juice isn't worth the squeeze is what i'm trying to say here uh if brooks doesn't have cancer and you say brooks doesn't have cancer great but in the more likely that Brooks does have cancer and you are walking around saying he doesn't have cancer and calling, Megan King Edmonds was calling his doctors and being like, do you do imaging here? Blah, blah, blah. Like she was calling his ex. Like she was doing a lot. If it turned out he had cancer and died in the middle of season 10, she couldn't walk the streets ever again. <laughs> she couldn't walk the streets ever again. I'm just not, I, I, I don't know. Maybe I was raised too well. I, I would never, I, I to be quiet, maybe I wasn't raised too well. I might have said it off camera, but I ne there's no way they could have got me on camera. They, you would see talking heads of them being like, do you think Brooks has cancer? Like a producer from behind the camera going, do you think Brooks has cancer? And me just like sipping a drink for a really long time. Like, I'm not answering that, bitch. I'm not doing that. You got the wrong one. You'll be one of these messy bitches. That's why I wouldn't be on the show. But season 10 was so packed full of shit. Um, Vicky... Vicky's mother died in that season. And, you know, she wrote, she's in Shannon's craft room, which I'm jealous of. And she's in Shannon's craft room, rolling around on the floor and screaming and calling her brother and saying, wake mommy up, wake her up. And I know a lot of people were like, Vicky is so extra. Guys, she is extra. And I think that shit, I think she was doing, I think that shit was real. I don't think she was faking. That is just like, that. that's on brand for Vicky. I cried. I knew it was coming. I cried through the whole fucking thing. I don't know. I just, I just was like, if my mom died, I certainly wouldn't act like this, but I would be devastated. I would be fucking devastated. And to get it at a fucking bunko party and in Shannon's craft room, get out of here. And y'all stop having bunko parties. Every time a bunko party happens, some shit happens. Shit. Stop having bunko parties. Um, yeah, it's a wild season. It is. It is interesting to watch Vicky try to defend Brooks by pushing Brianna under the bust. Um, this is the season Brianna buys, she buys Brianna all those cars, like she has the cars come and stuff. And then they get into a fight in Oklahoma. This is also one of the seasons where Vicky and Brianna just drag Oklahoma, drag Oklahoma. Like, <laughs> like just they're like, Oklahoma's disgusting. <laughs> There's nothing here. They don't even have parks. They don't have parks in Oklahoma. Yeah, they do, babe. Just maybe not like the city you live in doesn't have a lot of nice parks. Like, but you lived in a very, the OC has some money there. So you lived in a, in a different type of area. Maybe you're, I'm assuming you're living near a base of some sort in Oklahoma. I'm just, I, <laughs> Oklahoma doesn't have parks. Okay. Like this, the state of Oklahoma never heard of a fucking park. All right, cool. <laughs> I don't know. They're just doing a lot. And I'm like, you know, people are going to see this, right? <laughs> you know, but I mean, the way they're talking, though, is absolutely how me and my mom talk about things. My mom's actually um, doing her service work in the woods right now, so I can't talk to her. And my dad's always like, how come you don't call me when your mom's not? When, you're, when your mom doesn't come, when your mom's gone? And I'm like, because you don't talk shit about people. You just want to say nice things and pray for people on the phone. And that's lovely. Love having you in my life, but it's boring on the phone, bruh. You just want to tell me about your church friends. That's great. Yeah, okay. 
you wore the wrong size shoe. Instead of sending it back, you take it to the church to see if any of the young men there want this shoe. Like, that's my dad. And it's wonderful to be around. But my mom's going to call me and give me the tea. And she's going to talk shit about people, including you. And so she's going to tell me everything. She's got all the gossip, okay? You don't gossip, man. You refuse to. Anytime me and my mom want to talk bad about somebody, my dad's like, well, I'm sure they have their struggles. And then we're gonna, we have to be like, oh, okay, I guess we can't. I guess we can't say your kid's ugly now because he just brought up that everybody's struggling with something and we need to be kind. And Okay, fine. Let's just sit here and be kind. <laughs> Boring. <laughs> But yeah, like, wait, like if I were like un moved someplace and I was unhappy, I'd be calling my mom on the phone all the time, being like, "Oklahoma doesn't have any parks. This shit sucks here. Tornadoes are bullshit." But that's on our phone call. We would not get on the fucking screen so that millions of people in this country can watch us slander Oklahoma like that. Not that I'm like some big Oklahoma fan. I'm just saying. I think. I'm just saying, I believe I can find a park in Oklahoma. I believe I could. I, you know, I just get on Google Maps and see what it's, you know, do something. <laughs> um, what else happens in the season? I, season 10 was just a really good season. It's a season where we get Here Lies, Shannon Bedore. <laughs> the whole season they're going, like, one thing I didn't remember is that David and Shannon are going through, um, a lot of shit during the beginning of season 10 that half the group doesn't know about. So all that stuff with the with the with the um, couples retreat and the I want on my fiftieth birthday he was intimate with me that he ran off and was intimate with her. Why would you tell her that? Like why would you like? I guess Shannon's a type of person that would want details, but I just feel like if you guys want to try to make this marriage work, I don't know if giving her the nitty gritty details is gonna. Like, she's never going to forget it. I wouldn't either. You got to leave me if you cheat on me because I'm never going to stop talking about the shit. So, um, so I understand where Shannon is when she's like, I have 50 negative thoughts a day. I'm like, yeah, I would, I would have more. I'd have negative thoughts all the time. If he was like, baby, you want some eggs? I'm like, you made that bitch eggs? Was you and that bitch eating eggs together? What, <laughs> what kind of eggs were you, were you eating the grade A, the double? Which, which eggs were y'all eating? Because I don't want those fucking eggs. I don't want no cheating ass eggs. Shit. <laughs> I would like you would have to fucking leave me. There's no way I'll never let it go. So, so um, like I get it, but it's just like it's so obvious it's not gonna work out. Um, and like she's freaking out because her fifty first birthday wasn't away. It's just a lot. Um, the other thing that comes out in season ten is that Sydney doesn't speak to Tamara anymore, and it's been two years. Um. I think a lot, like, Tamara's the most evil person on earth, to be completely honest. Uh, I, I just think she's a really evil person. I just, I, she just is. Um, but there were some times I felt bad for her during the season because, you know, Ryan's got that gun lady knocked up and they're living together and, like, trying to be a family. She's also got three older kids. And I'm like, this is, Ryan's never been responsible a day in his life. This isn't going to work out. Um, but, like... They live further north in California and he wants to move back to the OC and so does Tamara, wants him closer. So Tamara puts down like $9,000 for them to rent a house, a nice house too. It's not some tore, tear down or whatever. It's a nice house. So she puts down $9,000. I'm assuming that that means that like, it's like what, 4,500 a month to, to rent, which 
price-wise seems about right to me. That like a really nice house in the OC with I'm assuming it's got five bedrooms or some shit. 4,500 seems about right. So she puts down the $9,000, never tells Eddie who they're married now. And they're, you know, you know, like our finances are intertwined. Even if we keep separate bank accounts, which some, for some people, that's a good fucking idea. Keep a second, a, a separate bank account and then have a third where you guys put money in to, to pay for expenses. But you still have to like be open and honest about the fact that you just gave $10,000 to your son. Um, so eventually Eddie, like she tells Eddie, cause everyone's like, you didn't tell Eddie, you didn't tell Eddie. I mean, he's going to find out. You don't think he's going to see the show. You think people, you think people are going to tweet at him. And so, um, he's mad, right? He's mad. He's like, we're not going to support a grown man's family, which is a fair thing to say. But so he's like, it has, he's going to pay it back. Right. And she's like, well, I didn't tell him. She's like, it's a, he's like, it's a loan. You can't give someone him $9,000. He doesn't pay it back. The thing I feel bad for, and I, gosh, far be it for me to feel bad for fucking Ryan. I don't feel bad for Ryan about shit, but I feel bad that later Tamara goes to Ryan and goes, remember that like $9,000 I gave you? Well, I told Eddie and now it has to be alone. This is the second husband she's had that Tamara has, has like done shit like that to him where it's like, I think you should go to the dance, but Simon doesn't. So, you know, and then when we get around Simon, you she's like, I don't think you've deserved going to the dance. And meanwhile, you just had a conversation and she was like, I don't know, Simon's an asshole. Like, how are you supposed to like handle this? Where she's being two-faced with you. She's your mother. You guys have had like a codependent uh, emotional incest relationship forever. And now, and then she gets married and suddenly like you're in competition with this man and you have an, you have an understanding with her and she allows this man to come in and try to discipline you. Like I'd be pissed. And also he's already taken the money. So like you told me you're going to give me $9,000 and then I've already taken the money and then you come back and say, what it's a loan now. And I'm like, wait a fucking second. That's completely different. That's not fair. Um, and the other, I said, I felt sorry for Tamara, but not really. I was just like, I felt sorry for, for Ryan a certain way. I'd be like, I would be pissed too. You, you gave me $9,000. I've used it for the thing intended. And then you come back and tell me it has to be a loan because your husband doesn't like it. I'm your son. What the fuck? <laughs> um, and the, and I do like, I don't feel bad for Tamara when it comes to Sydney. I can empathize because like if my, one of my kids left this house and didn't come back, I, I don't know what to do with that. I do want, I hate how people like, like Tamara's a bad person, right? So I hate how instead of focusing on the way she's bad, they'll take mediocre things and be like, well, that's because she's a bad person. Actually not like a, 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 15, a 16, 15 year old can like decide they don't want to fuck with you anymore for any reason. And it could be like parental alienation. Simon could be in her fucking ear and all that shit. Possible. It also could be that like she's grown up with you being on TV and she thinks that this show is the reason the marriage broke up. She'd be wrong. I'm sure that she's been sitting there with Simon being like, when she got on the show, she changed. The truth is they were going to break up regardless. Look at their marriage. They were going to break up regardless. Or maybe, or if they didn't break up, it would have been because she couldn't afford to leave him. And like, like it's fine for Sydney to think that, that Tamara being on the show is the reason 
the family is the way it is. But her being allowed to like think that because she's like fucking 16 and it being true are two separate things, right? Like the, the family is fucked up regardless. And people will be like, well, Sydney just wants you to get off the show. You, I would get off the show. I don't know that everyone's saying that would. Like, it is Tamara's main source of income. Cut Fitness is a fucking money laundering scheme. There's no way she makes money off of that shit, guys. Um, the money comes from the show and the perks of being on the show. The other things you can do, the people pay you for interviews and appearances and things like that. And... Because your 16-year-old is mad at you to just give up the only way, like your big, your source of income, thinking that you would do that is short-sighted. I'm not saying you wouldn't. I'm just saying most people wouldn't. Like when I was 16, my dad was in the military and he was gone a lot. And for me to like throw a bitch fit and be like, I'm tired of you being gone and him to be like, don't worry, I'll just quit that. That's not how things go. Most people don't do that. So, like, people being like, well, if Tamara was a good mother, I don't know if that's true, too. First of all, I don't know that Tamara's a good mother. I'm not going to be sitting here saying all that shit. I think she's a very evil person. But I don't know that the reason that her refusing to quit the job makes her a bad mother. I think there's other reasons that makes her a bad mother. Um, and one example is Ryan. <laughs> but <laughs> I also... I do think that Sydney's saying, I just don't want it to be talked about. I don't want to talk you to talk about me on, on like in public like this because you're a public figure. Like, I don't want you to talk about me on the show. I don't want you to go on podcasts and talk to me. I don't want you to tweet about me. Is fair. Like, that's doable. But Tamara never stopped, never stopped doing it. And part of the problem is that once she mentioned that on season 10 reunion, it'd been going on for two years. Um, she said she went to court and everything, which is what the thing you're supposed to do. But the judge is like, listen, she's 16 years old. She can decide if she wants to like, if she wants to stay full time with her dad, then we're going to let her. And the same thing happened with, um, what's the other one? What's the middle one? The woke one? I forget his name. Starts with an S too. Isn't it weird that, um, Tamara man married a man named Simon, named all her kids with S names. And then, and, but also had an older son that starts with an R. And like, what a way to like, Put a them and us shit, right? Here are all my new kids, and they all start with an S. And you're my old kid. You start, like, this little shit that, like, you gotta think about, man. It's an, and, and I'm sure Ryan would have been like, I don't care. But also, like, that's a very, like, I don't know, unconscious separation. I wouldn't have done that. Um, anyway, um, Spencer. Spencer's the one that doesn't want to see his father. And yeah, it, older teenagers get to choose those things. Like, if I don't want to see my mother, I don't have to. Um, if you're, if you're, I want to phrase this correctly. If you are a person who cares deeply about your children and what is best for them, and they tell you you don't, they don't want to see their other parent ever again. The first question I would say is like, why? And I let them tell me about it and I try to address their concerns and like empathize with them and be on their side. But I would never be like, okay, good. I would never say that unless they told me something like they're physically hurt them or was like doing like, you know, there, there are obvious, there are obviously exceptions, but I'd never be like, oh good, don't see her. 
I'd be like, okay, well, you know, if that's how you feel, I'm not going to make you, but I do want you to, to know that you can change your mind at any time and that like, you know, Sophia goes back and forth. So if you want to like, just say hi to your mom when Sophia comes, that's fine too. Or like, I would like try to be supportive without being like, good man. Cause that, that she's a bitch. Like, I don't know that Simon's doing, I don't, you know, I don't know what Simon's doing. He's not on the fucking show. But like, I think people come down on Tamara about Sydney too hard. I agree that Tamara is not like by even just talking about this on camera is the wrong way to go, right? I would have never talked about it on camera because if Sydney was like, I don't want you to talk about me on camera, I'd be like, okay, I won't. And then Andy would have been like, so I hear you're having some turmoil in your with your kids and stuff like that. I would be like, hey, you know, I my life's an open book, but my kids have asked not to be talked about. And so I'm not going to. But in terms of like, what I can tell you about my kids, is I love them very much. Um, uh, Simon and I are trying, like, it's not great all the time, but we're doing our best. And uh, they're more important to me than like a storyline. And that's how I'd leave it, right? Even if I didn't get off the show, that's how I'd leave it. And people could write stories about me in tabloids and stuff like that. Now, this is all well and good for me to be like, people can write stories, I wouldn't even care. But, you know, when it happens, you you don't know what you're going to do till it fucking happens. But I feel like I would be like, that's the cost of like, that's the cost of taking care of my kid. My kid wants me to not talk about it. And so I'm not going to talk about it. And... You know, so I, I guess I'll just have to like let them slay me on my kid or whatever. Um, I I just hope you guys understand what I'm trying to say here. I think like from what I've seen on screen, Tamara is not a good mother, especially not to Ryan at all. But I also don't want like teenagers go through phases like this all the time. And it seems like it's ongoing as far as I know. I mean, I'm not keeping up with Sydney and Tamara. But like, if that happens in a divorced family, it's not always, oh, because you're a terrible mom. It could also just be like, she ain't feeling you right now. You guys already were butting heads. She really like believes in, she really believes what Simon's saying. She believes that like, you should have never called the police on Simon when he, threw that leash at you. And I remember thinking, oh, that leash, he threw a leash at you, so what? But then I saw the shit. It's one of those retractable, that shit looked heavy. If he would have hit her, he hit her in the arm. If he would have hit her like in a head or something, like in a lip, he would have busted her lip. That thing was heavy. Um, I understand all of that. And Tamara has made a lot of decisions I would not make. Like, I don't know. I just wouldn't, I... I think that my job as a mom to, is to always put my kids' best interest at heart. And sometimes that is at odds with the things I want. L- believe you me. <laughs> but a lot of times I have to talk to myself and be like, I know this is bullshit to you. But I think in the end, the best decision is going to be let them make their own decision here. And you're just going to have to like fix your fucking face. Fix your hair, fix your mug, go out there and, and, and like, and like try to be supportive of this or whatever this is. Or you're going to have to make nice with a man that you hate because he is their 
father and you do not want to like put this shit on them. Um, and also I wouldn't have taken a bath with Eddie on, on fucking camera. Like <laughs> in season nine, um, Tamara wants to have a baby <laughs> part, of, which is no, she doesn't. But part of it is that like, we don't see Tamara with her kids anymore. Once once she and Simon break up. And so Tamara is still doing everyday mothering stuff with no kids. And so that's hard to depict on TV. And also she's missing her kids. So she's like, cause they're gone half the time. And she's never had that before. And so she's like, I'm going to have a baby with Eddie. And Eddie's like back and forth about whether he wants to have a baby. Also, can you guys have a baby? I don't know. And you know, you're a little long in the tooth there. Uh, Tamara, like, is it even possible? So she talks to Heather about it and Heather later, cause she's friendly with, like, with, with, I guess they're couple friends. I mean, Tamara and Heather are still fucking friends, which is mm, interesting. Um, but she talks to Eddie about it. Eddie gets really upset and is like, this is my personal business. I'm a very private person. And keep in mind, like, I agree. Like there are things I don't want to talk about and I don't, and I don't want you to talk about them either. But at the same time, Eddie, last, the season eight, you were naked on TV in a bathtub with Tamara. Don't pretend like you're Mary-Kate Olsen now, okay? Don't pretend like, oh no, I don't want to, I'm just very private now. You're not that private. <laughs> you took a bubble bath on camera. That You ain't private, boo. You ain't that private. <laughs> so... I'm going my mom got Peacock finally and she's gonna start watching Real Housewives of Atlanta from the beginning. So I want to too, and then we're gonna text each other about how Nini's face is. So that's the next thing I'm gonna probably watch. But if she doesn't start soon, I think I'm gonna go back and rewatch some New York. I think. I think that'd be more enjoyable than watching Beverly Hills, but we'll see. What else have I been watching? I've been watching and just like that, I watched the season finale. Um and so I, I watched the season finale. I watched the little documentary that's on HBO uh, Max. It's like an hour and 20. And I really enjoyed the documentary. And maybe it's because I like documentaries better than I like the scripted TV sometimes. But just an understanding of how they put together the show. Um, Cynthia Nixon talking about... Um, the episode she directed, which is the episode where Che Diaz fingers her, um, how they brought in, so they have new characters, they're all characters of color, how and why they brought them in, how Cynthia Nixon's, Miranda's, Miranda was supposed to have a thing with her teacher, Naya, and how they decided not to do that because it was two straight women, like, in their fifties fumbling around and how, and how, and how like introducing Che into it made it something different. Um, I like that we saw the writers, the writer's room looks different than it looked in, in, in the previous uh, incarnation. And we got a lot of explanations for storylines, uh, people in the room who'd been through certain things and wanted to add to the, I, I, I enjoy that. Michael Patrick King, I believe, is the showrunner and the uh, main head writer. And I think Darren Starr created the series. So 
Candace Bushnell wrote the books. The books are not good. I don't like them. It's the first time source material has been worse than the adaptation. Um, usually the book is better than a movie or the TV show. But this is one of the first times I was like, no, it's not. And then Darren Starr created the show, but Michael Patrick King is the brains and the showrunner and the head writer and all that. So we got a lot of like talk from him about what it means to bring it back and, 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 and why and how it got there. We got a lot of talk from Sarah Jessica Parker. I had forgotten, I think I knew this, but I had forgotten that people call her Sarah Jessica. That is so formal. And I know my name is Princess, but <laughs> like, just like to say, do you want cheese on your burger? I have to go Sarah Jessica. I know some people say SJ, but SJ is not a nickname to me. That doesn't even, those initials don't ring. They don't roll off my tongue. But anyway, Sarah Jessica Parker talking about, um, her contribution to it. I had forgotten that, like, she kept most of those fucking clothes. And she, and, and, and she, does, like, she is a huge part of the fashion in it. Um, Pat Fields was the original, uh, I, I'm, I'm saying fashion designer, but that's not what I meant. Uh, wardrobe, I, she was the original for the show in both movies. And she is, I believe, working on Emily in Paris, so she couldn't work on this. Um, so they, so they have new wardrobe people, but they're not new. They've been with the entire like run of the series. It's it's just that Pat Fields isn't there, and and I think that they did well regardless. Um, so I watched a documentary. You guys should watch it if you get a chance. I also listened to a podcast interview with Michael Patrick King about the process and the writing and, and how this is different from, from sex in the city and all those things. And I, I forgive me. I don't not, I do not know the podcast name. What happened is I was listening to bitch sesh and they were doing it in just like that episode. And they did an interview with a friend of theirs that also has a podcast. And the second half of the, of the episode was his interview with Michael Patrick King there are two parts and you had to go over to his podcast to listen to the second part. And I did. And I enjoyed it. I, 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 I like talking about process and he made some valid fucking points in there about the things that we don't, that I didn't like about the, the show. And yeah, it's, it's a good listen. I'm, I apologize if, cause I can't tell you the name, listen to bitch sesh and it'll lead you down the breadcrumbs to it. Um, I rewatched the show after watching the documentary and then watching and then listening to the, to the pot. I rewatched it after I watched the finale and there are some things I missed <laughs> the first time around. And also I think that I think I'll accept Charlotte a little bit more, right? Charlotte's storyline is very Charlotte. And at first I was like, this is not very Charlotte. But the more, the rewatching, I was like, yes it is. This is exactly Charlotte. Charlotte tries too hard. How did I feel? The second go around, guys, I don't like Rock. I know like the character's 13. 
I don't like Rock at all. I just, I just want, like, Rock, don't embarrass me at fucking school by telling everybody your name is Rock, but not telling me. And you telling me you told me in a TikTok. Girl, excuse me, incorrect. You, this is not how we're going to do this. Um, and also, I would have been incredibly angry that I put together a they mitzvah. And your ass, when we get to the they mitzvah, is like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to put it in a box. But... That said, I would have also asked Rock that they want to do a day mitzvah. I would have made sure. I would have been like, listen, mommy's about to swipe her credit card for an event space for this day mitzvah. Should I not? <laughs> do you not want to do this? Okay. <laughs> but that's me. Like I, like, I hate getting someplace and finding out my kids don't want to do something or... Or it was, you know, I, I, it's not something that I like to happen. So I ask questions and I slow down and I would have known well before they did it that Rock did not know, uh, their portion of the Torah and didn't know the part that they were supposed to do while they were standing up. I certainly <laughs> would have known that already. Um, rewatching it. I still don't like this Miranda storyline is incredibly harsh to me and it's not about the I you know I'm sexually attracted to this person and they're they're so special and like I want to be with them I don't care about that I too want to fuck Che Diaz that's that's my truth my truth is I'll be fucking Che Sarah Ramirez is hot I even the little skinny eyebrows and everything mm. I would like to do it with them but (laughs) but the issue I have is the treatment of Steve and that we made Steve someone who is going deaf and who's lost a step and who's like a crotchety old man. And so it was easier to like give him away. And that's not, that, that's not true in my book. You do not be partners and have a whole motherfucking life with someone for, what is it, 15 years? It's, a, it's 15 it's, it might be more than that because it's 15 years since the end. So it's like 16, 17 years. And then you, we don't have this relationship. And then you throw me out like you, like old fucking garbage. Uh, the idea that they're in the kitchen and Miranda's like, finger me. And, and because he didn't perform the way she wanted him to perform in that very, in that moment that, that's the end of that relationship. Like, if I have to audition for my part, please let me know. Please let me know. I, I'm i not upset about Miranda leaving Steve. I believe people should leave relationships they don't want to be in. And you actually don't need a reason to leave a relationship except for that you don't want to be in it anymore. Someone could be the nicest person in the world, could love you to pieces, could, be, could do everything perfect. And if you don't want to be with them, you don't have to. That's not my issue. My issue is the way in which it's handled, the cheating, the talking about Steve as he's an old rag. And if he were, if she were a man doing this, we would eat her to fuck up. This, this is not, this is not nice. This is, this is, this is, this is a character flaw. If this was in my real life, I would be like, yo, you, you talking about him like he's a dirty old rag that you're trying to get rid of and you're being dishonest and your behavior is not like, and I understand that you are going through something and understand, like getting an understanding of something. But the fact is like, 
you moving at the speed of light and you expect everybody around here to keep up with you and you're not explaining anything. You're not handling things the way you're supposed to be handling. That's like, that. that's why I dislike this character right now. The idea of not going to uh, Paris, I mean, listen. I've told you guys, you know I, I recently did a rewatch of Sex and the City and I do not believe Carrie's a good friend. I think Carrie's too busy trying to get off puns. She don't listen. She, she, <laughs> I don't think she pays her fucking bills. She's the type of person that will just like order a bunch of fucking tickets in your name to, to Paris and be like, we gotta be there on the, on the 13th. And you're like, wait a fucking second, where the fuck will I be? <laughs> And, but also we'll forget to pay her phone bill every month. So until they, they cut the shit off and then she'll be like, oh shit, I gotta pay my phone bill. That's, that's her personality type. And I think, again, guys, I, I know that like there's a problem with me, but I do not understand why you would expect me to go to Paris to spread the ashes of your husband. I would never ask anyone to do something like that with me. I wouldn't want anybody there with me. That is a personal thing that I would do on my own. I just, I mean, maybe if the kids, the, you know, maybe them, but I, and I also wouldn't take it to Paris either as a place where, I don't know, he rescued me from a fucking Russian, the, the, the place where we tried to, tried to do our relationship for the 17th time. I, that's not what I, I, I wouldn't want. And also, I think there are laws against this. I'm just putting it out there. I just think I would have kept him at home. I don't know. <laughs> but I, I, it would never have occurred to me to to be like, Miranda, come with me to do I'd be like, what? Why? <laughs> so it's not that I'm like, how dare Miranda not go to Paris with Carrie? I don't, I, it's not a thing. I just feel like much of this has shown her to be incredibly selfish. And she's out here trying to like do, do um, social work. That's why she's going back to school. I ain't seen her do no social work except for paint. I ain't seen her do nothing. I ain't seen her in no causes. All I've seen her do is be a bad friend to Carrie, which is fine because Carrie's a bad friend to you. And, and treat Steve as if he's done something to her and he hasn't. Y'all haven't had sex in a, in a long time for the two of you. You don't want to go to couples therapy. I understand. You you don't want to be with him. I understand. And then, what happened to the drinking storyline, guys? So are we to believe that she was just drinking a lot because she because because Steve wasn't fucking her? Is that what is that what we're supposed to believe? And then she's just like, nope, no need that no more. Fine. The episodes are not long. It's it's supposed to be a comedy. Fine. Fine. I'm just saying that, like, I dislike Miranda's character so fucking much right now. I still want to fuck Che, but there's no way I'm going to sit in there while Che's filming a pilot. I'm not going to do it because Che's not funny. Um. Yeah, like, overall. So, so the show. I enjoyed watching the show. I really enjoy complaining about the show. And I hope there's a season two for me to complain about too. And if you're like, how did we get here, Princess? It's because I told you, don't ask me if the show is good. I, I don't care about the show being good. I didn't watch that, the Veronica Mars movie, read two books and watch the reboot, <laughs> the Rush to Revival, because it was good, okay? It, I, it's because 
it was Veronica Mars. And I'm going to watch however many episodes. They want to do another movie. They can do they can do it till they're 85 years old. I'm fine with that. But like you you also listen. Um as someone who makes things, I make shit. <laughs> I make podcasts, I write things, I tell stories. The fact is, I don't get to control how people react to it. Like, when you make things and release it into the public, then then it's in their hands, and they decide what happens next after that. And so, I understand, I understand that, like, the creators and the writers behind this and the talent and everyone had, they, they had their intentions, and I understand that we received it a certain way. Neither one of those is wrong. I'm just saying, if next season, Che doesn't dump Miranda, <laughs> like the fuck boy they are, <laughs> and I also think the Samantha storyline ended up fine. I, I do not believe Samantha would dump all three of them because over a money issue. Because, as I continue to tell you guys, Carrie doesn't pay her bills anyway. Carrie, Samantha was not counting on whatever Carrie was paying her. I promise you that, because you can't count on whatever Carrie's paying you, because Carrie don't pay her bills on times, guys. So, (laughs) and we have watched this show for a very long time. It feels like we know these characters. And what I was trying to say when what you put out into the world, you can't, you cannot, decide that you are in charge of how people react to it the the fact is you made six seasons of a very like popular show and people have their own relationship with these characters and I understand the idea that like I like I you don't we don't own Samantha but honestly you don't own Samantha either not really I mean you you have to copyright but that's as far, but as far as owning a character, that's as far as that goes. Um, but I've, like I said, I've rewatched all this stuff and Samantha of all the characters is the most forgiving, is the most compromising of all the characters is the, Samantha's the best friend. She is. And if you don't believe me, go back and rewatch it. The only, like even, even the one time when Carrie said she was getting married and Samantha hung up the phone <laughs> She, she explained herself and she still rallied and, you know, I, watching the documentary and listening to, to the interview, I agree with what Michael Patrick star, Michael Patrick uh, King said, and it is this, it is that uh, they did not even ask, uh, uh, Kim Cattrall back because Kim Cattrall has been very vocal about the fact that she does not want to play Samantha anymore and he respects that but Kim Cattrall is not Samantha Samantha is still in the story Samantha's not gone and the way they did it was very old timey sitcom you like remember when Chrissy went to went to fucking Paris <laughs> in um Three's Company it was like that and I and I and I do see the homage to it and I do I thought that was a clever way to do it. I really wanted them to kill off a whole bunch of people. <laughs> but still. And, and in the end, I think they did fine. They did fine. Um, yeah, in the end, they did fine. 
What else have I been watching? I watched The Gilded Age. I liked it. I hate that it's coming on weekly. I like that it's long hours. <laughs> it's from the guy who created and wrote the uh, Downton Abbey. Great. Um, you guys know I love Christine Baranski. Um, I like that. Shit, her name just left my head. The lady who plays Miranda is in it. I think that's great. I enjoy. I just listen. I, it's, it's good, right? It's um, it's women who eat up the fucking screen. It's. You know, I think the costuming's great. It's nice to look at. It's low stakes. Everything's fucking low stakes. Um, it's a it's set in I forget what years, but it's set in New York. Um, it's a historical thing. The only tough moment I was like, mm, I don't know if I want to watch this, is when the main character um, walks. She's on the train going to see to her aunts, and she sits down next to the black lady. And I said to myself. I don't want no Bridgerton bullshit. I don't like historical fiction where we use real names of real people, right? So they're mentioning John Adams' grandson and the Astors and stuff like that. Like, I don't, don't use those names and then retcon racial stuff, right? I don't mind it at all. In uh, fantasy works, I don't mind, like, like I like diversity in 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 what in what I'm watching, right? But I don't want you to go to central casting and say give me three black people to be in this scene because I just want three black people to be in the scene. By the way, so when we talk about and just like that, uh the creator also said Darren whatever his name is, um was talking about um how people dislike the characters of color that are that being introduced as their friends and stuff like that and he admits that like it's not the it's 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 clunky but he explains like you cannot like they made a mistake on the first one and they they're doing better and there is no better way to do it than this and it's clunky people don't like it but that you could not make this show without without adding characters of color because that's the way the world is and he's right. By the time the show ended, I actually cared a little bit about them. So it's just the fact of, you know, getting your first couple of bites. You're like, mm, this isn't Sex in the City. Anyway, I don't like um, historical fiction where they add black people in places black people wouldn't be. Okay. That doesn't mean like fantasy. You know, a lot of fantasy is based on um, medieval England shit. But if it's fantasy and there are black people in it, I don't care about that. Like, that's fine. But if you say we're at the court <laughs> of such and such so-and-so real person and one of the ladies is a black I'm like, that that wouldn't have happened because that's not how they were doing it then. So at first I thought they were going to do that and I was really upset because I was like, why are they sitting? As a black person, when I see another black person on screen and you're telling me it's, it's a certain historical thing, I'm like, well, they wouldn't be sitting next to each other. You know what I mean? Like, they wouldn't. So when that first happened, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to like this. But then we'll get to the part where she's like, don't worry about me. You can go on your train. And she goes, no, we have to wait till everyone else gets on. I was like, okay, so we're going to do, we're, we're just not going to add this black character here for the fucking fun of it. I like that they had her in there. She has her own, like there, there are questions about like, can she talk to the lawyer? Um, uh, you know, all the colored lawyers, we get back to my father. Would you like, 
stuff like that. Um, anyway, in general, I like the show. I wish it came on more. I'm, I'm waiting for it on Monday nights to watch it. It's, it's the perfect, like, I'm not, I don't adore historical fiction, by the way, but it's just right. It's just, it's just right. And Christine Baranski being there really elevates everything. I love everything she's saying. I love her being an old battle axe. <laughs> it's just like, I don't care for facts that they contradict my opinions, my beliefs. <laughs> so that's good. I'm also watching Abbott Elementary, of course. Liz texted me and was like, do you watch Abbott Elementary? It seems like you're right up your alley. Because it is. Because it is. Um, I love a sitcom, guys. Um, I should do a Twitter thread of my favorite sitcoms. Uh, but I love a fucking sitcom. Abbott Al Albert, Abbott Elementary is uh, by Quinta Brunson. Um, she it's it she plays a well-meaning, inexperienced um, teacher at a uh, inner-city um, elementary school in Philly and a black elementary school. Let's just say what it is, and I like it. A lot. It's funny. It's giving me Parks and Rec vibes. People say, oh, this is just like The Office. No, it's not. Um, it's Parks and Rec. It's Leslie Nope, like, really believing in stuff and being a weirdo and being awkward and fucking things up and having a boss that, that's, that's like... <laughs> I love the boss. People are complaining about the principal because she's a black woman who scammed her way into the job and is basically making TikTok videos and, and spinning up people's money. <laughs> I love when... And then one time she was like, listen, I'm down to cheat, but you got to let me girl. You got to let a girl know. <laughs> I, if you like Parks and Rec, but you want to see more black people, there you go. It's hard for me to rewatch Parks and Rec because I like my Andy Dwyer's uh, fluffy and quiet. And Chris Pratt is out here doing everything but that. I really loved Andy Dwyer. I loved that fucking character. I loved Andy and April together. And I'm trying to go back and watch it. I'm like, oh. Uh, uh, white men don't have a place in Hollywood. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to be the worst Chris in Marvel, but you are. But you are, Blanche. You are. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, but yeah, it, it's I'm I'm really enjoying that. You guys know I miss Superstore immensely. <sighs> it gives me Superstore vibes, guys. Um, what else? What else? What else am I watching? Um, I'm watching, I finished Hintified, which is on Netflix and they canceled it because Netflix is the Grim Reaper. It doesn't publicize its ratings or anything like that. So it can just cancel shit for the fuck of it. And Hintified, okay, so you guys know I'm a big fan of, uh, Viva. Oh, excuse me, Vita. I just said that wrong. Vita, it's on Showtime. It is about two, two daughters who come, their mother dies. And they come home to try to save her bar. And it's incredibly, it's super East LA. It's super um, uh, Latinx. It's super uh, queer. It is a great fucking show. It's, I think it's three seasons on Showtime. If you haven't watched it, go watch it. Hintified is a similar show, except it's not on Showtime. So people aren't eating ass every third scene. Don't worry, I like I, I do enjoy the show, the episode, the, the the scenes where they're eating ass. But I can watch Hintified in the living room when my kids are awake. Um. So I, uh, 
I, uh, I, I just enjoyed it. I just, I enjoyed the performances. I enjoyed the visuals. America Ferrera is involved. As you guys know, I really like her. I need to stop saying that because every time I say I like a celebrity, they come out for fucking puppies or something like that. I don't know. And so it's possible. But um, it's good. It's really fucking good. And it only had two seasons, but they're wa they're worth watching. I laughed a lot, a lot. Um, yeah. Uh, and so I watched that and that set me, as soon as I was done with that, I was like, more like this. And I turned on My Block, which I hadn't watched either. My Block is about a group of, you know, people, when I, after I started watching, I looked it up because I'd seen stuff about it, but you know, who knows? Um, and my block, they said is, God, Freaks and Geeks meets some urban show, meets The Shy. And it is, it's about four teenagers, five. I mean, it really is Saved by the Bell. <laughs> and, uh, it's funny. It is, it's set in, I believe, East LA. It is... Um, just about them going to getting into high school and the, all the things that changes. Um, Ruben, Ruby is the, is a smart guy and also the, the, the nerd and, um, Caesar's really cool. His whole family is been in gangs all his life and he's now had to start joining a gang. Now his brother Sleepy got out of prison and there's a love triangle between, um, um, Monse and Olivia, who like it's a lot of and and Jamal is kind of the screech of the. I love Jamal, guys. I fucking love Jamal. His family always wanted him to be in football. He'd be a legacy at the school, and instead of like he does not want to join football, so he just has all these injuries. <laughs> so like he'll just show up the scene like fake injuries. So he'll show up the scene with like a cane. <laughs> And they won't talk about it or like an eye patch. And, and you're meant to remember that he is like, I don't know. It's good writing. I want to know who's writing it. I, I'm going to probably look that up. Um, it's funny and it's good. It's called, it's my block. There are three seasons. I th think they're still in production. They're going to do a season four, but maybe not. I don't know. I, um, I'm just thoroughly enjoying it. I think it's, um, I think there's some poignant moments, but it's mostly fucking funny. Um, Anything else? I think that's it. I mean, I've been talking for like a fucking hour, guys. We haven't even started. Let's talk about <laughs> I'm going to put timestamps in the description so that you guys know when to skip to if you actually want to hear about Rock of Love. So we're halfway through this season of, of By Pumpkin because this is episode six and it only goes to episode 12. Um, it's called Tour Bus Challenge challenge it's season one episode six um big john wakes up brandy mia and jess and they ask what time it is and it's like six o'clock and at first i was like in the morning in the afternoon like did they just like is he waking them up because they're not on camera enough but it's six o'clock in the morning and there are only seven ladies left and big john says today's the day for each one of you to step it up individually so i guess no more group challenges um, a stretch Hummer takes them to Brett in a parking lot. <laughs> Swear to God. It is his birthday. And for his birthday, he's wearing a plastic cowboy hat that says American Outlaw on the side. This is a re... He's already worn this before. His Brett ran out of clothes at this point. 
Today is going to be a tour bus challenge. And now what that is, it's just the bus is driving around in a parking lot. They've got stations set up with like benches and signs that say a city. And when the bus gets to that station, they'll do some challenge and the loser gets left there. It's basically Rock of Love bus, right? The season three of Rock of Love is this challenge, essentially. So Big John takes a name out of the hat and each person he chooses gets to choose an opponent. So the first person he chooses is Jess and she chooses Magdalena because she doesn't think Magdalena is very athletic. The thing they have to do is stuff clothes in a bag and zip it up. And Jess loses because her red sweater gets stuck in the, the zipper. Magdalena wins. She does a little kick dance and Jeff, Jess gets left there. So Magdalena gets her name chosen this time. And she hates that because now she's got to go twice in a row. And she and she chooses to go against Sam, which I thought was a very good choice because Sam is not athletic. I'm, What's she going to do? Cry her way through it? And so not that like... It makes it sound like I hate Sam. I don't hate Sam. I don't think she looks like a potato, as some of my former guests have said. But I do think that, like, it's difficult for me to have an immense amount of sympathy for her being in this house when I'm like, they didn't just grab you and bring you in this house. You applied for this. And, like, now you're, like, super upset. And, I like, I don't understand what you thought was happening. So their challenge is they have to go to a porta potty and change into an outfit that they give them in a bag and come out. And they open the doors of the porta potty and it is gross. Sam says it stinks. I believe her. I think porta potties are gross. In general, I'd rather hold it. But uh, I also think it's very difficult to be in a porta potty without touching anything. And I think that's a, that's a hard thing. But whatever. Um, they. The clothes are like a crotchless lace onesie with like a skirt that might as well be a belt and like a little shirt that you have to tie on and these like wedges with the, with the lace up. The ones that go around that you tie around like you it's a wedge and then there's like these laces that you tie around your legs. Um, I wonder how they knew they'd fit those clothes. <laughs> but whatever. Um, Magdalena comes out first, but her shoes aren't tied the right way. So when Sam comes out, she they have to be wrapped around and tied in the back. And uh, Big John's telling Magdalena that, and Sam comes out, it's already done. So she wins. And Brandy yells out that it sucks that Magdalena's getting left in Philly in that outfit. And it does. <laughs> so... Uh, Magdalena's left in Philly. Uh, Lacey gets chosen for the next one and she goes against Sam because she feels like Sam is just an a challenge and should be worn out. Another smart decision. Also, Sam is still wearing the clothes from the old challenge. So she's like, <laughs> she looks horrendous. Um, theirs is they have to jump in a dumpster to find a guitar pick. It's super disgusting. Lacey throws herself in there. Sam is dressed in wedges and a crotchless onesie and corset. And Sam finds the guitar pick. Like, they, she said they were digging through soup. And I'm like, there has to be an edit here. There's no way they found that fucking guitar pick. When she held it up, it's so fucking small in relation to everything else that's in there. And, like, they're, like, it's watery, nasty food. It's it, There's no way she found that. There's no fucking way she found that. Um... You know, but Lacey's the one that gets left in Detroit. 
So Heather is chosen for the Nashville challenge and she chooses Mia to go up against. They have set, they have, well, we find out later that Brandy told them that she was really good with electronics and that's why Heather didn't choose her. Cause they have a set, they have to set up a guitar and amp, etc., And they have to set it up right and for it to make noise. For the first part, they aren't even like, they haven't even put together the power for it. So they're both trying really fucking hard and every like everyone on the bus is like it's not plugged in guys it's not plugged in and finally big john has to go over and be like you guys want to start with the power and once they do that mia ends up winning um and heather gets left in nashville so seattle <laughs> the brandy gets picked and she chooses mia and they have to reassemble some magnetic words with lyrics to every rose has its thorn has its thorn um, Mia's done first, but she has the words changed around and Brandy wins and Mia gets left in Seattle. By the way, when Mia sits on her bench, I can see Heather still back there <laughs> in Nashville. Like maybe 10 feet away. You know what? I'm not good at distances. It, it might be more than that. But Mia waves at Heather and Heather waves back. <laughs> like they're near enough. They're, they're not far at all. <sighs> so the last stop is LA and it's just Brandy and Sam. They have to hurdle some velvet ropes and then do that football thing, you know, where you run into something and you hit it hard and it's supposed to show how you hit the other team. I don't know what it's called, but it says security at the top and it's got Big John's face on it. Um... Sam is in her boots, but like the rest of it is still that outfit that they made her wear. Don't know why she didn't change back on the bus. Also, when they were changing in those porta potties, they were cameras. So I'm like, I don't know. What's the underwear situation? Like, I know that underwear and a bathing suit aren't that different, but like, they could be. Like, you set up cameras in a porta potty and tell them to change their clothes? Why? <laughs> it's gross. Um,. You know, Brandy's wearing pants that she that she rolls up in the shorts and tennis shoes. <laughs> so Brandy starts off the fastest, and when she gets to the hitting that football thingy, um, uh, Sam catches up to her, but Brandy ends up winning. And so the bus drives Sam away, maybe twelve feet away, to Brett, who yells "Wild thing!" when she sees her. And then he brings her to another bus and I assume they finally leave the parking lot. I'm not sure. I, I wouldn't count on it. At this point, like I'm looking, I'm like, guys, Brandy M is super cute to me. It's It might be the accent. I love her little um, Midwestern, what is that, a Wisconsin accent? Like, it, it, I like her accent um, a lot. I think it's super cute. I think she she's getting, she, I don't know, she's just cute. Um, and... If she commit to just not farting and burping on me, I could keep her around. And I also think that she looks good with Brett. And just like the way he said, wow, thing. And she ran over to him. Like, I was like, oh, I could see this happening. I mean, would it be a remake of like uh, My Fair Brady with Adrian Curry and Peter Brady? Yeah. But I don't know. They seem, they seem, they seem like they could fit together pretty nicely. So the losers make it home. Lacey's clothes are torn. Her thong is, her thong is sticking out. 
But she's not worried about that. She and Heather are looking for a way to push Sam out of the house. Sam gets jealous easily, as do I. And so they're planning to tell her that Brandy M told me she was giving Brett a lot of blowjobs. Because remember, Brandy's nickname is Blowjob Brandy. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> like, I don't know. I need some context. I feel like it's so bad. I'm like, give me some context. I mean, is she just giving out blowjobs for a nickel on the street corner? Or like, what? What's good? What's, or is she just known as someone good at giving blowjobs? Like, she's just known as someone give, good at giving blowjobs. What's wrong with that? That's a skill not everybody has. Like, I need some context. So they're making signs and a balloon and shit for Brett's birthday. Um, Brett comes back to the house that night and they all party and they're dancing and singing and whatever. Magdalene isn't really into it, which is a theme throughout this episode. Everybody is dancing on the pole, even Jess, right? And finally, Sam gets on there and does a lot of humping the pole and squats and shaking her butt. And I think, I don't think she was up there as long as they want us to think. They seemed like they looped it a bunch of times, but I don't know. She just like... <laughs> Guys, I I like Sam. I, I, I like what she's saying and I under, I empathize with her. But as I was watching this, my husband walked by and said that she looks like she stinks. So, <laughs> so maybe, I don't know. I, I'm sure she smells fine, but still. So at this point, Lacey and Heather decide to like make Sam jealous because that's her hot button, right? So she's... They're kissing and hugging, giving a lot of attention to, to, to Brett. And she ends up leaving, Sam does, and goes upstairs and writes in her poetry book about how sad she is or whatever. At breakfast, Lacey says hi to Sam. And Sam says she wants her to get the fuck out of her face. And Lacey wants, she, she, tell, she like wants to tell Brett about this. She's like, Sam is going nuts. We need to tell Brett. Um... Because he's not, she's like knocking on the door to his room and he doesn't answer. She's knocking forever because he's not there. And so <laughs> eventually I suppose production got him up and brought him over there and got him dressed. And then he goes in and she tells him that Sam is falling apart. Um, like I said, Brett's a messy queen. Um, if she came to me and told me that, I mean, I obviously would talk to Sam, but I, I, I would be like, okay, but why are you telling me that? Or what do you get out of this? Um, unless she's like playing to hurt herself. Like she's upset and unhappy here. Why am I hearing that from you? I do this with my kids all the time. Like somebody will show up and be like, so-and-so blah, blah, blah. I'll be like, why, why are you doing, why, why are you the one over here? If that person needs me, they come to me and you go mind your fucking business, bro. Like, Get out of their business. And it's two things. One, I, I don't get, stay out of people's fucking business. Like, understand, like, there's a time and place for you to, like, advocate for someone. And two, because because a lot of that is tattletelling, right? And I have a big problem with tattletelling. I have, like, a list of things you are allowed to tattle about. And the rest of it, don't come to me. You're going to get in trouble. Um, and it's just that, is it... You, someone has to be in danger. Someone must be hurt. You're scared or it's an emergency. Those are four things that you are willing, that you are okay to come and tattle to me about. The rest of it, somebody's looking at me and it hurt my feelings. That is not tattleable. That's that you supposed to try to handle that. Um, 
And I also, like, the other reason I don't let them do that is because I want to teach them that they have to advocate for themselves. So if Bear Bear comes out of the room and tells me Monkey is is unhappy uh, or crying or something, I tell him, and he wants to tell me what happened, I'm like, I want to hear that from Monkey. Tell Monkey if he needs me to come get me. And that like that's that's important and i know that like i shouldn't be looking at these children as these ladies as children and brett as the daddy but that's that's how they're giving it to me like we gotta go tell brett we gotta go tell we gotta we gotta go tell on sam like that's what they're doing and if and like if i was the daddy here i'd be like Lacey, mind your fucking business man focus on you focus on like do your hair or something because you look bad go go do that stop being such a bitch like, worry about yourself before you worry about anybody else. That's how I would feel. But whatever. Um, Brett goes to talk to Sam. And she talks about being in an abusive relationship with a drug addict. Been there. Done that. Talked about it on Princess Diaries this week. Um, and just the depression that went with that. And now she's on Prozac. And how sometimes she needs to pull away. And that it's hard to know who to trust in the house. No one. Do not trust anyone in that house. Not even production. Um, Brett tells her that the only one she needs to get close to is him. And Sam says, how am I supposed to do that with girls grinding on you all day and night? Fair. That's a fair point. It's because this isn't, this is designed to make a show not to get a relationship, which you would understand if you, if you like just thought about it for two seconds and you know, Brett's like, maybe I'll, we'll fall in love. And I'm like, no, no, you won't. Um, this situation is like not set up for a girl like Sam. It's set up for a Heather. And that's why I'm like, let Heather have, let, you know, let Heather have, have it because Heather is built for this. Um, after Sam pours her heart out, Brett does a talking head where he's like, I'm not sure about her. And I'm like, she just like laid everything out, like some real vulnerable shit talking about her past abusive relationship, talking about her depression, talking about the medication she's on. Like, I don't mind telling people I'm on antidepressants, but a lot of people do not tell people that. Like, it's very personal. They don't want to be thought, like, you know, your insurance company finds out that you're on antidepressants. They can be used as a pre-existing condition for something. Like, it's, it's tough. It's tough. And so I'm not like, I don't judge people who don't want to be like, I don't want to write know my business. But for, as for I am, I'm not ashamed of antidepressants. But like, Sam is like, she just said a lot of shit to you. A lot of vulnerable shit. And the next thing is a, I mean, obviously Brett's not in charge of editing, but the way it came off was like, oh, she just told me all this vulnerable shit. She might have to go. Like, that's not cute. Earlier, Brandy and Brett got back from their date, but we didn't see a moment of, like, I was like, they just, they showed up together. And it didn't make sense until this next scene where I realized they never went on a date. They just came back from the bus together. They rolled home on the bus together. Uh, and they came in together. And I was like, oh, okay, okay, okay. Because now she gets news that she's going on a hockey date. Um, which is right up her alley. Brandy says she has more guy friends than, like, on the date. She's talking to Brett. She says she has more guy friends than girlfriends and all her girlfriends are gay or lesbians. And Brett says that he's worried about that. And she's like, don't worry, I won't turn gay. And then she says she'll have sex with a woman though, but she'll kick her out right after. 
2007, guys. 2007. It's so it's okay for you to sleep with women as long as it's in service to a man to make him like exciting, excited and stuff and sexually please him. But look, but you wouldn't want, but like spending any time with her afterwards means that you're a lesbian and nobody wants a lesbian. And, and fucking Brett's like, oh no, oh no. I would hate for one of those lesbians to sneak up in here and, 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 and take advantage of me by, by the definition a lesbian does not want you, Brett. So why would why would a lesbian sneak in there so that they can fake have sex with you and like get on TV? Like the way they talk about. <laughs> but it's two thousand seven. It's two thousand seven. But just the way they talk about this shit. Like Magdalena was talking about Lacey at one point. And was like she looks like a man, and I'm like, like I, I can't even imagine. I'm actually listening to. So somebody turned me on to a podcast from Campfire Media about Victoria's Secret. And actually, let me pause out so I can tell you the exact name of it. It's called Fallen Angel. And it's I really like these types of podcasts that are really just book reports. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, though? They're, they're, they're actually produced, unlike the one you're listening to right now, where they have a script. They are detailing like something... Um, this is like the rise and fall of Victoria's Secret. And not that it's fall, not that it's gone, but like, you know, th- that, so like an interesting subject to me and also all the episodes are out. So I didn't have to like wait. I have to listen to a 37 minute episode and wait a week to get to the next part. So I really enjoyed it. I didn't know about the Epstein stuff with Victoria's Secret. I just don't, I never really thought about Victoria's Secret ever. So, and the reason someone suggested it to me, cause I'm looking for like, some new bras. I want nude bras, nude to black people bras. Like I bought some old navy underwear that's like in the nude, the nudes, the brown nudes. And dude, I love it. Fucking, I love it. I don't know why I wear another piece of white underwear ever again in my life. I love this fucking underwear. And I was like, oh, maybe I should try out the bras. But the bras are like old navy is super size inclusive, except for bras. Then they're like. Skinny Legends only, honey, because they go up to 36C. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> I wore a 36C when I was 11 years old. <laughs> like, get the fuck out of here. So that really annoyed me because I, I would love to just be able to buy a bra from, you know, the same place that makes the underwear that I enjoyed. So I was just looking around for nudes and I happened to, like, I was, God, it sounds like I was looking for nude pictures, looking for nude bras. And so I just, like, done some research or done a Google search, which is the same as doing intense research. And, and Victoria's Secret came up. And I was like, oh, I've never I've never bought anything from a Victoria's Secret. So I clicked it, and there were fat people on the website. And I was like, mm, how? I thought you guys didn't do fat people. And I was tweeting about that, and someone sent me the podcast rec. And so that I was told it was really good. But Campfire Media makes a few different podcasts that are interesting. And one is called Chameleon. And the first season is about the Hollywood con queen. And I was listening to it, and it's not bad enough for me to quit, but I was listening to it, and the, the, I'm spoiling this for you, but it, it's a, it, it turns out this woman that's been conning people over the phone, like for Hollywood jobs and stuff, is actually a man. The way they talk about the fact that the gender is not what they thought it was is so strange. Like I was like, okay, 
when they said that, I was like, all right, that makes sense. I mean, this person is lying about everything. They're imitating people. They're, they are um, stealing people's identities. Like, okay. It's, you know, you, you thought it was a woman, it's a man. But the way they talk about it is, is so like, how can I describe it? It's like, they're weirded out about the fact that it's possible that he's a man. They are shocked. They are just like, what's going on with him? Why would he do this? Like, and I was like, guys, and they're like, this is a symbol that something's wrong with him, you know, because, and I was just like, guys, it's also possible that like nothing's wrong with him that like, I mean, he's a con artist and he's doing some really wild stuff. That's what's wrong with him. But like him pretending to be a woman or, and then they just said some really like dog whistle things about men pretending to be women. And I was like. I don't know. I was like, I don't, I don't know if this is coming out the way you guys want it to, but, um, I, I, it's, it's how, it's how like watching these older shows. I mean, what is this niche reality TV that we talk about on this, on this podcast? It's how like, I'm like, I don't know in 2007, I was this nuanced about what I was hearing. Um, but now it's just like, uh, that doesn't even, it sounds awkward. It's like, why are you saying that? But again, it's 2022, right? And it's not 2007. And part of the reason that I like going back to these is examine who I was then and who I am now. And in 2007, I don't know that this stuck out to me. Maybe I was sitting there watching and I was like, oh, okay, so um, Brandy's not a lesbian, just so you guys know. Maybe that's what I was thinking. I'm not sure. But I didn't want it to go past without like, responding like like pointing it out being like that was a weird part so at the at the at the hockey game they have a private box and they get to be on the jumbotron and brandy had a good time but back in the house they get a card that says the, the losers get a card that says they need to work together and make a list s- stating the biggest reason why each one of them should go home they need to do this together and it's super awkward. Nobody wants to do it except Lacey. She's like, let's do it. And she starts with Sam saying she's jealous and insecure. And they write that down. Jess says Heather isn't showing who she is. And Heather says that everyone is entitled to their own opinion. But this is exactly who she is every day. Lacey says Mia isn't in the Brett. And Mia says, just because you haven't seen it doesn't mean it's not, it's not there. And Lacey wants to put on Brandy's, because Brandy's not there. Do you really want a girlfriend who's known for giving blowjob? And Heather adds whose nickname is Blowjob Brandy. And they also talk a bit about the body sounds, like the farting, the burping, or whatever. Like, again, her being, like, really good at blowjob sounds like isn't, like, the worst. I mean, again, I want some context. I mean, I just hope she's not, like, running up to people and blowing them, like, at the in parking lots at the mall or whatever. But if it's just that she's good at it, I'm like, okay, that's fine. I mean, I... I like, the reason I wouldn't want to be with Superhead is not that she's fucked a lot of people. It's that I've read the book and there's a lot of baggage going on. There's a lot of shit wrong. There's a lot of therapy she needs to get to. So, like, there's a difference. The fact that she's going to suck a dick, okay, great. <laughs> but um, the body sounds was really taken off of me. Um, they say that Jess is young and doesn't live in L.A., and Lacey's really trying to force Magdalena to say something mean about Jess. And Magdalena's like, I said what I said. I don't want, I don't have anything else to add. 
And they say Magdalene is just there to be on TV. That's what Lacey says. Now, when it's Lacey's turn, they all let off on her. She's not sincere, not trustworthy. Uh, Sam says she sees right through her. And Lacey gets upset. <laughs> now she's been like so excited to fucking just lay it out on them the entire fucking time. Like literally saying to people's face, you don't care about Brett, you just want to be on TV. You, <laughs> She's so, but then as soon as they say something, she's like, what do you mean I'm not sincere? About what? And they're like, anything. And they they nail they, they hit the nail on the fucking head because she's inauthentic. She is playing a game. She is here. She is here to be on TV. And she's play, she's playing with us. She is Kenya mooring this shit. She is like, what would be fun? What would be, you know? And like, she thinks she's on Survivor or something. Like, as if she's not, like, I don't know that she wants to be the villain, right? I think she, I think there's a part of her that thinks at the end of this, when she wins, that they're going to have, like, they're going to be like, show this, these underhanded things she's doing. And they're going to be like, she was so smart to do that. She was playing the game. And I'm just like, I don't know, man. This isn't, the, people don't like you on shows like that when you do stuff like that, you know? Um, as much as I'm sitting here, like, this is a production. This is a production for entertainment value on TV. That is the goal. The goal is not to find Brett a girlfriend or find love. That's not what this is to make good TV. I know that, but a casual viewer at home watching a show like this, watching The Bachelor, watching stuff like that, it's more like, like when they see you being calculating on this, the uh, show is supposed to be about love, then you don't look good. And I, and I just feel like Lacey's like literally speaking into the camera about the underhanded things she's doing. Like she's going to get to reunion and everyone's going to be like, that Lacey, she was so smart. And I'm like, no, like none of the stuff you're doing makes it seem like you're there for Brett because you're not even trying to get to know him. It's more like you're like there to just get information from him so that you can then use that information against the women. And like Brett likes this and so you don't have that. So you can't like that's what it seems more like. And I just I I, I wonder what she I actually don't. I, I absolutely believe she's just there to be on TV. And it makes sense. But she's the one walking around telling everyone else, you're just here to be on TV. You're just here to be on TV. So, um, when Brandy gets back, they tell her about the exercise and told her what they said about her, which is what I would have done too. And I'd be like, listen, we have to do this. And just so you know, when I, what I wrote for you was that you fart too much. Like, we need to get you on some gas X. We need to change your diet or whatever. Because you out here letting them out. And they're coming out really hard. So I know you're pushing. And you need to stop. <laughs> so she's like, okay, well, let me see what Lacey and Heather said about it. She goes and asks them. And Lacey's there. And she's just like, uh, you know, as soon as your name came up, me and Jess were like, she's a slut. She sucked every dick in the world. And like, and like Lacey, it was on camera. <laughs> like, you're literally lying. Like, when they say you're not sincere, this is what they're talking about. You know, there are ways to be villains on this show and not be, like, literally lying. Literally trying to, like, force the only black girl left to, to like, beat you up. So you can go, oh, Brett. 
I was so scared. She was aggressive. <laughs> there are ways to be a villain that don't involve that. And like I said, when uh, Sonya was on the show, it's not that I think that Lacey's got a hood and like marches <laughs> and marches and lights fucking upside down crosses on on people on black people's lawns. I, that, that's not what I'm trying to say here. But I do think she looked around that room and was like, um, one of these things is not like the other one and chose to target Dallas. And those white women, like she was so aggressive. She pushed me that shit when, without talking about who you are as a, as, as like the fact that you were aggressively chasing that woman around the house and that rodeo had to put your ass down. Like, like, mm, not during black history month, baby. So I'm just saying like, <laughs> so, um, yeah, she, she's not, like, even if she won, they would hate her. Like, they wouldn't let her win. You know what I mean? Production's never, like, when you come in like that, production won't let you win. Because they know how, they, they, they're seeing the dailies. They know what you come off as. Um, even without the editing. The editing's just a cherry on top. Don't get me wrong, they can edit you any fucking way they fucking want to. But without the, even without the editing, they know how this is going to go. And so there's no fucking way that at the end of the day, they're going to let you win, Lacey. So, and I think you're smart enough to know that. I think you're smart enough to know that. And, and, and so, so you're just here to be on TV. Yeah. In fact, the, the people that say that the most are usually the ones that are just here to be on TV. Um, at some point, Brett takes Magdalena aside to basically ask her if she's feeling him. And she's like, eh. <laughs> no, she, she, she says, she's like, yeah, I'm feeling you. But she also says that if he picks someone else, he picks someone else, he picks her, he picks her. And that's not what Brett's looking for. He's looking for someone that's like, I'm here for you. You're the love of my life. I have a connection with you. And that really like bothers me too. Like she, she's not interested. She doesn't have a connection. She's not here for him. Guys, you didn't know it was him until two weeks ago. Maybe two weeks ago, six seasons, six episodes. I truly, believe, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a, it's an, uh, a day in episode just because most of the episodes go span two days anyway with a challenge and an elimination and all that. I really do think it's two to three. It's, it's probably two, maybe three episodes a I mean, two to three days an episode. And I do believe that they're probably, there are breaks that have to do with having union uh, crew uh, that might be, that we might not know about. So at least two, maybe three, depending on if they have to do extended breaks and stuff like that. But, um, so this is episode six. They've been there almost two weeks. And I, <laughs> none of you knew who was going to be here. You all sign up for this not knowing who's going to be here. None of you, no one in the show, once you were told who it was, it was like, oh, I'm not really interested in him and left. The only people that left immediately after that were the ones that were too ugly and not dressed slutty enough. That that Big John wouldn't even let them in the house. Jesus. So like, dude, I, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> like, what do you guys, you guys didn't know Brett Michaels was going to be here? If this was Nikki Six, oh, by the way, 
So I listened to Nikki, Nikki Six's um, biography. I mean, his, his memoir, the heroin memoirs. I, I stopped listening to it. I had to because it was difficult for me the way that he and other characters talk about vanity. And um, van- vanity seems fucked up in this, uh, absolutely. But they were using pretty, like, coded racist language. And um, uh, at one point, so I'm listening to the audiobook. I'm not reading it, which is different than reading a book, right? Uh, Liz talked about how <laughs> she was listening to the audiobook of You, you, uh, you know, the one that on Netflix where a man puts on a baseball hat and no one knows who he is. Uh, that one. <laughs> and I read the book and she started talking about listening to it and how and I was like, oh, in a man's voice, the shit that was being said, I couldn't listen. So keep that in mind. Like I didn't read, I didn't read Nikki Six's uh, Heroin Diaries. I listened to it. And so it's in his voice. At one point he's reading a um, lyrics he made up about vanity, um, about her being a black bitch. Uh, and another point, <laughs> I'm not laughing at this. I'm just like, just a lot of little things kept happening. And then I was like, oh, I can't finish this. And then I guess Whitney Houston tops the chart and Motley Crue doesn't. And he talks about, and Nikki's like fucked over by another black bitch. And I was like, what the fuck did Whitney Houston do to you? Uh, Whitney Houston, like, one of the most famous people in the fucking world. Of course she topped the charts. She is fucking contemporary. She's like, old people will listen to her. Like, she's more palatable to masses. And the last part, I couldn't read it. I could not read it. I couldn't listen to it anymore because he said the N-word. And he was saying a title of something that he either saw or read or something. But Nikki Six's voice in my ear saying the N-word after all these like coded talking about vanity being a black person and then calling Whitney Houston a black bitch. <laughs> like, and you know what? It's probably, I'm, I'm not even going to be here and be like, oh, I, it was definitely racist. It it's just, I'm just telling you what it felt like and what. And it was like a lot. So it was like death by a thousand cuts. And then when he said the end word, I was like, I don't want to hear this anymore. And I stopped listening to it. But if it was Nikki Six who showed up to this, I don't think, Heather, would you have gone home? Well, you've been like, oh, I don't really know about Nikki Six. I'm going to go home. No, you would have like been sitting there yelling people that they weren't here for Nikki. <laughs> so. You guys, uh, Lacey, you would have been, you would have been here going, I don't think you're here for Sebastian Bach. <laughs> but like, you, you didn't know who it was going to be. Though, so shut up. Um, yeah. So like, I don't know. Um, I feel like Magdalena said the truth. I mean, she said what she said. So then Brett goes to talk to Sam. Like, or, or more like he's like walking somewhere and Sam's in the hallway, like crying. And she's like, yeah, we got to talk. We got to talk. And she says she's too sensitive to be there. And she says, what do you want me to do? He says, what do you want me to do? And he, he, she, she, he asks her if she wants to leave. And she says, no. And I'm like, okay, then what are you in here crying about? Like, guys, maybe I'm insensitive. I, I have been like dealing with the fact over the last maybe 10 years that like, because I was raised in such a way that like being trouble and like, 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 if my mom sent me to school, I stayed at school. 
my leg could have fallen off, I would have put that shit in my backpack and stayed at school because that's what, like, calling home and being like, I'm sick and you need to leave your job to come get me was would cause, like, such drama. And, like, I fully believe my mother would get fired. Like, and if she got fired and we were in a one-income household, like, how does that work? Like, what are we going to eat? Like, like... Like, I just grew up in a way that, like, people didn't have time to be listening to your fucking fuck shit, okay? And if you have to cry, you probably should go outside or maybe go in your room and handle that in there. And I'm not saying I didn't cry a lot as a kid because I was very sensitive. Like, don't even fucking look at me because I will just die at the mo- at that spot. I had a lot of fucking feelings. And, like, to this day, I feel like... Like, I feel like I owe my brothers an apology. I, like, I had so many fucking feelings. I was always talking. I was always, something was going, like, I just had a lot of fucking feelings. And, like, if something would happen and I felt like no one was listening to me, I write, I get, like, a legal pad and I write, like, an open letter to the house and then I put it somewhere and if no one was reading it, I'd read it. <laughs> and my mom would be like, oh my gosh, she's got the legal pad. <laughs> and, and, like, like, I told you guys before, I'm happy for you or sad for you. I don't know whichever one because uh, because I'm not reading all that. My brother invented that. My oldest brother invented that because he was just like, I'm not reading this. <laughs> I'm not reading uh, two legal pages in your small well in your small well formed handwriting about how you felt uh left out today because our cousin was here and he was playing with me and I said you couldn't come in my room to play the video game and you felt pushed aside and he's your cousin too like (laughs) he really was like I don't have time for these feelings and so like I'm saying I had a lot of feelings but like really to interrupt the flow of the house like to be like you need to come home from work to deal with me and my feelings or or like I can't do my chores because of these feelings was like not an option. Like we didn't like everything was too. the machine had to keep going. And for me to stop the machine of our life would have been like a big fucking deal. And like the stakes were high. It wasn't really like my mom getting fired was like not an option. My dad can't leave fucking Korea and come home because, uh, because I'm upset because I'm in a fight with my mom. Like, when I get on the phone with him, I will tell him fine because I don't need him to be upset in Korea because I'm fighting with my mom because he can't do anything about it and I wouldn't ask him to do anything about it either. And so, like, I understand that growing up that way and that, like, and also my mom, like, expresses fear as anger, okay? It's easy. This is this is why I always tell you guys I am a kale. I was raised by a kale and I am a kale. And that, like, kale is always mad because it's the easiest emotion for her to feel. It is so much easier than saying I am hurt right now because somebody that I really wanted to be with is doesn't want to be with me. And instead of saying that, I'm going to say that or somebody that I was friendly with, Brianna, that we did surgeries together is like teaming up with my ex. And my feelings are hurt because... I really like, I like kind of opened myself up to this person. So instead I'm going to call her a hoe and, and just be angry about it and be, and be stubborn about things. Yeah. Like that's how my, my mom is just like that. Like if she, whenever you're sick, her first instinct is to be mad at you about it. Right? Like, what do you mean your throat hurts? Because 
first, she's worried about you. Second, she cannot not go to work today, right? She needs to go to fucking work. Three, what, what, like, what's the logistics of getting you to a doctor? Like, and, like, it took me a really fucking long time to realize that. It took me a really long time to realize that just because my mom is yelling does not mean I've done something wrong. It, it's more like she's having an emotional moment and you have, like, like, it has nothing to do with me. Like, realizing that other people's emotions have nothing to fucking do with me was such a freeing thing. I have to remind myself sometimes. But, like, when people are going off about stuff, even, like, at work and stuff, like, um, people I work with closely will be like, I just get so upset. I, why, is she, why is he upset? Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, he's upset about some shit that don't have nothing to do with you. Like, it does not matter because... No, there is like he's too mad right he's too mad for what happened and so you have to understand that extra has nothing to fucking do with you you can only do what you can do and you have to let him ride that out don't try to go fix him don't try to make him feel better you can't make him feel better because i have shit to do with you and like once i like realized that like people's emotions don't really have a lot to do with me it was so fucking freeing but at the time like because my mother would get my mother's got a lot of anxiety. She would get anxious about things and then get mad about stuff. Like, telling her I... Like, I got my first period at prison. And I didn't tell her because I was like, I don't think she can handle this. I was like 11 years old. I was like, I don't want to talk about it. Because I don't think you can handle it. I think you're going to get, like, too hyped. And so even now, like... So, so I would just, I would just rather than be sick, rather than be upset, rather than being scared, rather than being crying, I would like be like, I'm going to like remove myself from the situation because if I am vulnerable for even a little bit and that causes something to like break down in this big machine that is everyone's lives, everything's, everything's running on like a shoestring budget and, and one thing can fuck everything up. Like I would rather just like keep the shit to myself. So Keep in mind, I know I'm fucked up, all right? And I'm working on that. I'm working on that every day. Um, sometimes when my kids are sick, like my kids were all sick last week, my first thought is, oh my fucking God. And I always correct myself. I try to talk. I try to like, if I'm having feelings about stuff like that, like I can't believe these people are sick. I have to do this. I will go to myself and have those feelings and come back when I can, when I can act like a person. And I'm working on it. I'm not perfect. I'm still a yeller. The fact is, I'm at my heart, I'm my worst. I'm still a kale from Team Mom. I'm still a kale. But I'm working on it. And at least I acknowledge it and at least I'm working on it. So I'm just telling you right now that the visceral reaction I have to Sam crying over and over again about a situation she doesn't have to be in, about a situation that she can easily fucking leave. And then when someone says, well, what do you want us to do about it? And you go, no, I don't want to go home. Like, what do you want us to do? You want us to change the concept of the show real quick? Is that what you want to do? Because we can't do that, Sam. So what is it? Do you do you need a ticket? What, what is it that you need right now? I it's, it's like my reaction to that is because I've spent a lifetime like trying to regain my vulnerability after like it being like stomped out of me as a kid. Like embarrassed out of me like just like nobody has time for all these fucking feelings and I do acknowledge I'm in a lot of fucking feelings but kid princess deserves someone to sit down and be like you know what 
actually, if you don't feel well, it's not like the worst thing in the world. Let's talk about it. Let me comfort you people. Like, this idea that someone would come and cuddle with me if I were sick is outrageous. Outrageous. I literally, I remember my mom got into an argument because I need to go get my hair done. I was in high school and I woke up and I was throwing up. And my mom was like outside the door, so mad that the plan was being messed up, accusing me of being pregnant. <laughs> and I'm like, I am not pregnant. And she's like, well, if you are, you need to say something. And I was like, well, if I don't say something, you'll notice when the baby gets here. And she's like, that's not funny. And I'm like, I, I'm not trying to be funny. I'm throwing up. <laughs> and, and like vomiting is like the most scary thing. Like for me, I, I, I'm scared to vomit. And, um, so she's, she's like, should I cancel this appointment? Because then I'll have to get another appointment, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, do what you're gonna do. <laughs> like, I, I have no idea what it's like to be vomiting in the morning and someone being like, oh my God, are you okay? <laughs> like, mostly it was like, why are you ruining the plans? <laughs> How dare you? You did this on purpose. You are sick on purpose. I like, I literally don't know why I'm sick. I'm a child. I know I'm 15, but I'm a child. And so, so like there's something broken inside of me <laughs> that is still broken and is looking at Sam being like, Sam, baby, uh, we got to figure out what to do. You can't cry all day. <laughs> um, but they talk and, and, and this is the second or third talk he's had with her about this. Um, she says that her heart is super big and she has so much to offer and she doesn't want to fall in love in front of millions and possibly get hurt, which is understandable. Like, like I, I tell you guys all the time, vulnerability is the thing that like scares me. And even just talking on this, this podcast about my feelings and about things that are going on with me and about stuff like that is vulnerability. But it's it's easier because I don't see you guys and I don't normally get a reaction from you guys. But like, yeah, I'd be scared too to be like on camera laying out my heart for somebody. They're also doing scenes with somebody else. I don't know what's going on there. And then being humiliated, like, and which is why I would not be on this show. You guys remember, shit, was it last season of Married at First Sight? Married at First Sight's in Boston, so I think they were in Houston last week, last season. And I actually watched it because my mom, like, bullied me into watching it <laughs> because she wanted to talk about it. So, on that season was a guy named Johnny who I, he and his, Johnny and Bow. They're the couple I had a lot of high hopes for. It's the it's the couple that I wanted to like the most, right? Because they seemed so well put together at the beginning because they knew each other previously. And, and I mean, I refuse to believe that the reason I thought they were a good couple is because they were both Vietnamese. But the truth is, like, maybe that played in a part of the, the, the show edited like they, like they, like, found a perfect match. And so I was like, oh, this is great, you know? And they knew each other beforehand and she thought he's cute beforehand. So that's story. And it turned out to be like a fucking nightmare. And at one point, Johnny was on the screen like crying. Like he was, he's like doing a talking head somewhere and he's just crying. And everybody was making fun of him about it. And they should have, but I couldn't make fun of him because I was like, the fact is if I went on this show and someone mildly inconvenienced me, whether it was Black History Month or not, I would be crying like this too because <laughs> I don't like change. But 
The thing is, I would never go on this show. I would never go on the show so somebody else could, like, pick a love for me. And I know that kind of, like, for Married at First Sight, it's like, you know, matchmaking works for plenty of cultures. And don't get me wrong, it does. But you can't really measure it because also those cultures are the same ones that frown upon you leaving marriages. You know what I mean? So, so like... We can say that, like, people, you know, there are plenty of people around the world get are in arranged marriages, and those marriages last decades and decades, and, and people are happy in them. But, like, the you don't have all the data because those are also cultures that would frown upon you going on TV and being like, I hate my husband that I was, <laughs> I was, I was, had an arrangement. Those, those are the same cultures. So, like, it's not like you got all the info. Um, I just believe that I need to choose my mate. And, and, and so The Bachelor can't do it for me. Married at First Sight can't do it for me. Rock of Love couldn't do it for me. I just don't believe it's possible. Um, and so I wouldn't go on this show. And so like listening to Sam and all these episodes talk about like it's gross to be kissing and ki- kissing someone who's been kissing someone else all day. It's also, it feels weird to be hanging out and like, you know, getting to know someone as their tongue is in other people's mouths and they're grinding on people. Like, I don't want that. And, and I actually agree with Sam. Like, I don't think she's saying anything that's not true. The part that astounds me is Sam, what are you doing here? And he just offered for you to go home. Then go home, Sam. Is it that you're like really into Brett Michaels? I don't believe that. He seems nice. You know, I when I was doing um, research for Flavor of Love, this is the first season of Buy Pumpkin back when I did research. Now I'm just like, tell me in the comments what this really means. <laughs> um, a producer on Flavor of Love said, was asked a lot, asked about, did the women really want to date Flav? And he said, yeah, they did. And he mentioned that they're like in a house for weeks with nothing but these other women. Conflict there. It's catered, you know, the food they're getting is 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 not amazing. And every day you do a, a, some sort of game to see who gets to go out on a date with Flavor. The only man you see. The only man you see the entire time. And like, just to get out of the boredom. Yeah, let me put on a, a nice dress and go eat a steak with with Flavor Flav. So yeah, people did want to go out on dates with him. And so like, like, what is Sam crying about? Does she really care about Brett Michaels? Maybe she does. You know, she's been there for two weeks. It's boring. It's sad. She's an introvert anyway. It's stressful. And the only way, like, and every day you're, you're in some little teeny tiny mini challenge conference. <laughs> contest to see if you can go spend time with the one person that they bring in every now and again and so and 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 it's also like he's so great he's this and that he's the man of your dream like like you know producers are talking him up and like yeah like maybe you do whip yourself in a fucking tizzy about whether or not you get to spend alone time with brett michaels or whether people are like rubbing on him and the truth is uh sonia mentioned this as well sonia said that um she mentioned that these women conceivably might have slept with a, a Brett Michaels. He's right. He's not ugly. He's probably not wearing a wig. Everyone says this is real hair. I choose to believe it's a wig because it's more fun for me. Um, 
and he's polite. He's he's definitely Pittsburgh polite, right? Um, not that I know that like Pittsburgh people are known for being extremely polite, but I'm just saying like you can see the the Pittsburgh boy in him, you know. Um, he's not, you know, real chance of love was was kind of gross sometimes. Um, he's not that. Uh, Brett puts on a persona that these things are happening to him around him so like I can see how he seems nice enough is what I'm saying and they bring him in and they go this is the man of your dreams ladies um do you want to eat um catered sandwiches or would you like to go out for a steak with Brett Michaels and like I'd be like yeah I, I, I want to leave here I want to leave here sometime yeah <laughs> so I, I get what she's saying I just like uh, Sam we got to do something else and Brett Michaels essentially says that as well. So it's elimination time, and Brett is definitely repeating the outfits. Uh, he didn't bring enough clothes, guys. He did not bring enough clothes. Um, Brandy gets the first pass. Um, Heather gets the second, and Jess gets the third. He says he has a spiritual connection with Jess. Guys, he has spent so little time with Jess. <laughs> he has spent so little fucking time with Jess. I do not know why he keeps saying this. But whatever, they're going to keep Jess. Um, and it, after he gives out the passes, it comes down to Magdalena and Sam. And he calls Magdalena up and we all assume Sam's going home. In fact, I remembered Sam going home in this episode. I was wrong because she doesn't. Magdalena goes. And I guess if I had to defend this decision, decision I would say that Magdalena doesn't seem to have any tough feelings about Brett one way or another. You know what I mean? And so, and that's actually worse than uh, having strong crying feelings and being upset about everything that's going on with in the, uh, in the uh, house. Because the the opposite of love isn't hate, it's indifference. And Magdalena does seem indifferent. And, and I think they kept that part in about when they were dancing and stuff and Magdalena went outside, I think, to smoke a cigarette. I think it's pretty obvious she was out there smoking a cigarette. But I think they kept that in to be like, see, she doesn't really care about blah, blah, blah. I don't know. Maybe she doesn't. I don't know. She, she seems fine with it. And she says that if Brett didn't want her and him sitting her home is fine because he's not wasting her time and she has bigger things to do in the future. And it seems like it's a, it's a weird choppy cut because it feels like the pro producer goes like what? And she's like, um, she's something like fine, fine, follow my heart. But it's just weird how the cut is. Um, yeah, like Sonia said, uh, Magdalena's in jail in prison for credit card fraud. So, I mean, she did have big things to fucking do, guys. She did. Um, Sam is speechless. She really thought she was going home. And she comes down and he tells her just so that he doesn't get crazy and she doesn't get crazier. Um, how about we take this one day at a time? Okay, Sam. I don't know. Like, I feel like Sam has said this. And it's true that... She can't, she can't do it in this, in this format and the format's not going to change, but whatever. 
next week, it feel it seems like everybody's like getting back at Lacey. Uh, and they're telling Brett about what a pain in the fucking ass she is. And Sam's pretty aggressive. Like she's at one point, she's like, look at me, look at me. Then why would you have her here? And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'll, so I'll talk to you guys next week. Toodles.